When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I had to go about it, write it out and find it myself. And there's some stories I can tell you. I had to fail, had to fall just for what I did well. And there's some stories I can tell you. This is the final word, Ashes Daily Manchester, the fourth test, day one. Jeff Lemon, Adam Collins, blameless, beautiful, sunny Manchester day, as it always is. Uh, this show is brought to you by Westfield London, Westfield Stratford City. If they had one in Manchester, it would be Westfield Manchester as well. Adam Collins, day one of the test match. Tell us all about it in the space of 30 seconds. High expectations on what was going to happen today. Australia sent in, they were going to bowl had they won the toss as well. Only losing two wickets in the first session, one of those Warner nicking behind after getting a start. Losing a wicket not long after lunch, that is Stephen Smith. Great review from Mark Wood. Good review later in the session as well. Mo and Ali getting Lava Shane for 51. Four Australian players fell between 41 and 51 the first time that's ever happened in Test cricket for numbers three through six. After tea, uh, Stuart Broad picked up his 600th wicket getting head hooking. Wokes went bang bang late in the day, made another one for him, four for the day, picking up just before the close for 22 for 299 for eight to close so scrappy but everything should be there everything everything is largely everything is yeah. broadly there um yeah. By the way, should Pat Cummins just be relieved that he's lost four tosses in a row because it's worked out pretty well for him so far. Yeah. They've got a reasonable score on the board, um, but a decent day for England as well. It was one of those nip and tuck, cut and thrust kind of days, good old-fashioned test cricket, but it, was, it, it wasn't that old-fashioned. It was a decent scoring rate. It was north of three and a half and over, but it, there was a partnership that seemed like almost every wicket that fell, there was a partnership that follows, something built up, and then England found a way to break through it. It was one of those like really gripping days of test cricket because it just kept going one way, then the other, one way, then the other. You can make the case either way. I reckon because rain's likely to be a factor later in the test in England bowling first. They needed all 10 to really give themselves the blank canvas they require tomorrow. The very fact that they have to bowl again is going to limit the amount of time they get to bat before they'll have to declare and go again because right, that's going to have to be the game plan, I think, from England. I don't see it being a bat once, bat gigantic, win by an innings improbable as that would yeah. be. I think it's more bat for as long as they can justify batting before bowling a second time and getting the 20 wickets they require to stay in the test match and chase whatever Australia set them, owing right. to the probability of Saturday having a well, dreadful forecast and Sunday's not much better. So with that all in mind, kind of Australia's day. On the other side of it, what your point you make, partnerships of 46, 59, 63 consecutively, then one of 65 between Marsh and Green later in the day, and 39, albeit um, with Stark involved with Alex Carey, none of them have gone on with it. So that means that they're in this precarious situation where eight for 299 doesn't feel like a particularly imposing tally, but 
in the circumstances of the series, it, it might just be enough. It's, it was interesting the way it started off because they, they didn't start off perfectly, I suppose. Um, but then there's Stuart Broad with the intervention with Kawaja. Yeah. And, and when, so Broad's bowling, I found this quite interesting the way things panned out. Warner faces first ball. He's yeah. determined to face first ball, to face Broad, you know, as if to to broadcast, if you will, that he's not worried about doing so. He's also really good at finding a run early in the over through mm. the first sections. He keeps getting a one or a three and getting off strike. Um, they're running well between the wickets. And Broad's staying around the wicket to Kawaja. And I was watching this thinking, you've got to go over the wicket to Kawaja and have the angle. But no, Broad's right. I'm wrong. Because he gets the angle coming in um, and, and he, like, Kawaja's just not quite sure about what's going on with that ball coming into him. Sort of took them a while. Like, they were getting... It was 1.7 degrees of swing and the, the Crickviz stats had that as far more than what England or Australia have been generating in the first session of tests so far in the series. But it didn't feel like they were really using it. There were lots of balls that mm. um, Warner especially, but Kawaja too, at least initially before he got out, were able to let go. Um, but when he did get it fuller and straighter to Kawaja, beaten on the inside edge, Kawaja reviewed it, but it was hitting middle stump sort of this far down. It's a podcast, so I shouldn't be using my hands. About two <laughs> inches down from the bales. Use your words, Adam. Use, use your words, words, not your hands. Um, Isn't that what you say to small children when they're, they're, they're use your words, about Winifred. something? Use your words. What do you need? What do you need? You tell me what you need, darling. What you um, <laughs> but yes, yeah, so that's, uh, that, that, that's what, you know, I think to me stood out, that once they got it a bit fuller, and Wokes is the perfect exponent of that. Mm. What are the selection? Like... I know that we all thought he might play a role potentially as a depth bowler, but he's more than that. He's a strike weapon. He took the second year ball late today, which is a bit of a nod to just how well he's going. And on a pitch that was nowhere near as speedy as last week's, he was more effective than Mark Wood. There's a case to be made that Wokes is their most important bowler right now. Yeah. I know that Broad gets two big wickets, Kawaja and then Head, after he set with the bumper just after T, which was a poor shot from Head in, in the circumstances before he was reset. Um, but Wokes is getting wickets consistently and asking the right questions. It's a reason why he's taken, what now, 105 wickets at a little under 22 in England mm -hmm. across a, a pretty long career in this country because he can do that with this ball and uh, and that's why I think it, it was shrewd. So, we said it last week, but it was spot on. So they have Warner batting with Labuschagne for a while. Mark Wood doesn't bowl well in his first spell. It keeps too much down the leg side and then the odd one wide up the off stump. They don't need to play at a lot from Mark Wood. Warner does what Warner's been doing lately, makes the start, makes 32. And at least, I, I guess, gets out taking the attacking option. He's not just prodding around. It, it works. He sees a length from works that he wants to drive and goes after it and it's a little bit too short. So he nicks. Um, you know, the score's on 61, hasn't taken it on huge. Then you get the Smith and Labuschagne thing and they're starting to work into it. But Smith looked ropey today. I might come back to some of this in, in the Hall of Fame, but he was, he was kind of all over the place. He was playing odd shots. He was, he was being strangely aggressive to occasional deliveries while being defensive to other stuff. He just didn't seem like his right self. There was 20 minutes where he got it right before lunch where he seemed to find his tempo. He wasn't batting outlandishly, but he was batting assertively. But remember, he should have been caught first ball. Mm. I still can't quite work out why Mark Wood was so far inside the rope at fine leg. And I absolutely can't work out why Steve Smith's playing that shot first ball, knowing there's a man there for that exact stroke. Kind of a, a pull hook thing that comes off the top edge and yep. had Wood been, well, I'm not saying Wood needed to be all the way back. That's not realistic. You always back up and walk in a little bit with the bowler. Um, but he was so far in that he didn't have time to backpedal stuck up one hand and Wood's not a tall man even mm. if it was Cameron Green it probably wouldn't have stuck in the mitt but had he been back two or three metres it was game on for England and it would have been two wickets in two balls to Wokes and Smith gone for a golden duck on the ground where he made 211 and 82 when they were here four years ago so that, that was an odd passage of cricket and mm. you know, I'm with you Smith doesn't just look like you know the parts aren't all aligning for him he still gets a start today by the way 41 but the stroke he played to get out to Wood it was 
I know he always goes across his stumps, but he was so far across his stumps. And it was way before the ball was bowled. It's all premeditated mm. and extra moving parts with a guy bowling 93 mile an hour. I don't know. It's, it's a question for him, really. But it feels like he's increasing the degree of difficulty on himself by doing that. Yeah, and, and the pace that Wood's operating at. So people have pointed to that as the reason that he was pinned LBW. Remember, he got out to Ben Stokes like that at Edgebast. Sure. Ben Stokes isn't bowling at 91 miles an hour. So it's not just about the pace. It's about the fact that he's, he is not infallible anymore when the ball's coming in. We saw yep. that when he played for Sussex, got out a few times like that in first-class cricket as well. So Smith at 34 doesn't have the absolute pristine hand-eye coordination, perhaps, that Smith at 26 or 28 did have, sure. which isn't, you know, that's no indictment on it anyone that's that's a perfectly reasonable thing to happen but maybe he needs to to start adjusting the way he's playing because it's not quite working anymore but he still has that big partnership or well, in the context big partnership with Labuschagne who gets to a half century finally has his breakthrough and then plays an odd little poke across the line misses a ball from Moen gets given not out Joel Wilson um, not outing on, on on these grounds doesn't want to be putting the finger up um, they review that one and it's three reds yeah Wilson got a good decision right later in the day but that was the one that was overturned one of two in the middle session so Stokes went upstairs both for Wood on Smith and then Moeen on, on Labuschagne and got them both right, so credit to the captain there. Just going back to Smith for a sec. So we heard a lot from him at the start of last summer before the Windies arrived, and I think even during the one days against England about wanting to bat more next to the ball like mm -hmm. he was in 14, 15. It's really interesting to me that something that netted him was it a double ton against the Windies yep, at Perth yep. and um, couldn't have looked any more fluent in that one-day series. And 100 against South Africa. 100 against South Africa. That, um, yeah, for some reason... Uh, it's well, about outswing rather than pace because he was looking at the Windies and South Africa as being more up and down, faster bowlers on Australian pitches where it wouldn't swing as much. And so he wanted to be side-on for that. And then he's worried about the ball swinging in versus the ball swinging away, trying to cover that line. And yeah. we, I mean, we actually saw this a couple of times today, which was interesting, where he'd have the outswinger and he would... He he would just leave it and kick it away because he knew he was outside the line of, yeah. of the off stump. And, and, and the one that came back in, I think, from Wokes, but he's so far outside the line. He let it um, hit him on the thigh pad, didn't he? That's yeah. right. And there was one from Labuschagne as well where he sort of lifts the knee up and kicks the ball away as it's heading towards the stumps because uh, because he knows that it, he thinks that it's going over and it turns out that he's right. But uh, And that was a no ball as well from Stuart Broad, that yeah. one from, from Labuschagne. But yeah, Smith, he's coming across in order to cover that movement outside the off stump. But if it's quick and it's straight and it zips back in, well, you have to be good enough to hit it and he always has been but maybe he's not quite anymore and as for Labuschagne you add that to the string of scores I know he gets to 50 and you know you don't want to get stuck into a bloke that's done the job today um, by any objective measure out of 8 for 299 he's the top scorer but um, there'll be a string now there'll be like a, a stat where in you know 10 of his last 16 innings he's been out between 20 and 51 you know something like that and mm. that, that'll be frustrating him that not long before tea you know getting to the break always important for a player to reset to, to cool down to go again and he wasn't able to do that and in Straight after T, six runs later, Hedu was riding shotgun with Labuschagne. They put and on. He was just doing what he always does, which yeah. is just come out and play with freedom. Well, they put on 63 after Smith and Labuschagne put on 59, and Warner and Labuschagne put on 46. So the pattern yep. continued, and and Head. I don't quite know how he fell into that. He was so disciplined. He walked out and they bombed him as always. Yep. Then they changed their plan. They yep. went to plan B. They tried to nick him off. He was batting nicely. He was batting aggressively, as you'd expect when the ball's in his half. He was slapping through the offside. We even saw the cut shot for the first time in a few weeks because, of course, he's been getting very little to cut. Mm. And then Broad goes back to bouncer war strategy straight after T. Three men back for it. And Head tries to hook a ball that's above his helmet. The probability of him getting it to ground is so slight that he's, or so yeah. low that he's got to hit it for six. 
you can't beat Jay Root running in off the rope and that's Stuart Broad's 600th test wicket. Yeah, um, I, I imagine Stuart Broad would have been thinking about Warner being 600 once he'd got <laughs> Kawaja as 599. Didn't quite work out that way. Um, yeah, I thought Travis had played so well early on. I mean, the second ball that he faces from Wood is a horrible one, rearing up at the face and he gets up over it, manages to play it down. Um, he copped one in the grill as well later on, hit him on the shoulder trying to... He was shaping the pull and then bailed out of the shot, pulled yep. his head away, hit the shoulder up into the grill, had the concussion checks. Yep. I mean, it was unpleasant. It was unsociable out there and Wood was more on target in that spell. Um, but Head's still able to score. He still finds ways to pick off runs against the shorter ball and then when they go fuller, he does start lacing the boundaries again. A couple of those drives, really impressive shots. So he makes his contribution. He gets to 48 um, and then you have the, the, the rise of the machines, the Mitchell Marsh, Cameron <laughs> Green stand as they come together. It's these two just massive lunks of human flesh just kind of thundering up and down the pitch. You know, they're, they're like, it's like War of the Worlds when the tripods come in, these kind of <laughs> giants stomping through the cities and you're like, how is this fair? You know, it's, it's like a bunch of rugby players came to play cricket. Yeah, and the way Marsh, you know, that straight arm slap he does when going down the ground twice he... I mean, they're like, he's like he's um, trying to hit it onto the green with the pitching wedge, but instead he's hitting them for six. One of them went for 4-1, went for six, but, you know, the, the, the same logic applies where he knows from all his T20 cricket that even if he clunks them, they're probably going most of the way. And with mm. mid-on and mid-off up, he's free to play that shot. And, you know, they always say about trying to play a natural game. Well, that is these days Mitchell Marsh's natural game. And he gets to 51, the same score that, that Lavishay made earlier in the day. And he's one of those two wickets to Wokes when... He comes back for about his fourth spell mm. and straight away asking the right questions. In the case of Green, it's leg before wicket. And then the one to Marsh that Bairstow takes an absolute beauty. Credit to Johnny Bairstow. So much um, right and correct scrutiny on his wicket keeping and his spot behind the stumps. Well, he didn't look completely comfortable when he went for it, but nope. got the hand in the right place, got the webbing in the right place, and they celebrated big time because, you know, pulling in a blinder after all that he's put down in the first three test matches will mean an awful lot to well, him. Well, yeah, and he, he ended up sitting on the ground, punching the air, yeah. sort of like he's trying to start the lawnmower because he, <laughs> he took it with his glove flat on the ground. It's difficult. You've got to get down low so quickly. Um, I will say if his footwork was better, he wouldn't have needed to do that. Sure. But there, there was that. He, he was wrong-footed. He was thinking the ball might be sort of coming in at him and so his weight's going one way then he's then he's got to somehow move to his towards his right hand side and then get down really low so it's difficult to do it tends to be the way with Bairstow is that he because he, does, he doesn't move his feet much behind the stumps he ends up having to dive for things or, or fall to take those low catches he was able to fall and get the hand down um, and then you've got another little partnership that takes yeah. that, that, that takes root between Carey and, and Mitchell Stark where Stark hits a few boundaries um, Carey you know manages to just knock the ball around a bit they're both able to contribute to some point. So there's there's another partnership. Then the wickets fall again. I thought that was maybe the most important partnership of the day. Like Wood went through Australia and had a spell of four for five in the first innings at Leeds. Different surface, different energy. But still, um, after Wokes gets those two in a hurry, you're thinking, well, Wood down the other end. They, I think they overbowled him just a little bit there. They were... They were stretching they were for searching. it. And also, um, Carey was playing the milk the strike game. They were trying to keep Mitchell Stark, even in um, Wood's final spell, that last little burst he had before the second new ball, whatever they could to keep Stark away from Wood. And they 
did it successfully. It didn't look pretty, not mm. taking the single seven down with a bloke down the other end who made a test 50 yep. on this ground four years ago. And Stark's clearly a very good player. He's still there overnight, not I, out I on thought, 23, having faced great. 70 balls. I thought that was very smart because, yeah, people were, you know, some people were saying, oh, well, they shouldn't be doing that. I think Ricky Ponting was saying that you can't be farming the strike. It's like, okay, Wood was already in the fourth over of his spell when Mitchell Stark came to the middle. Yep. So at that point, you know, if you're Australia, he's not likely to bowl more than, like, they might keep him on for a couple extra, yep. but that's about it. You've got one of your premier strike bowlers. Do you want them to get a broken hand because they're trying to fend the ball away from their face? Like, Mitchell Stark's fine to face whoever. He's able to bat. But is it sensible to take a risk when you know that that fastest fast bowler is going to be off shortly? Why not let them just finish what they're going to do? As the more qualified player, as Kerry, why not say, look, don't worry about it. I'll just take care of Mark Wood for the next eight balls or whatever it is that he's going to bowl. And then after that, we'll bat. Yeah, I agree with you. It made sense. Uh, it's just it looked a bit ugly uh, at the time because you don't expect to see someone like Stark being protected but for the mm. reasons you state. Wood that deep into a spell, it works for them. And look, they put on 39. At one stage, they're 255 for seven. And you're thinking, well, Australia might be all out 270 odd here but instead they'll bat again tomorrow and, and as I said at the start of the podcast it means that the window for England to bat is narrowed yep. if you assume that they're only going to bat for 80 odd overs and go like the clappers and try and do whatever they can to keep themselves within a puncher's chance of taking 20 wickets because that's the the game within a game here England needs to win to stay in the series and mm -hmm. the challenge um, for them if Australia bat maybe for another hour tomorrow is it just limits the amount of time they can bat and the scoreboard pressure they can apply. So it's set up uh, really, really well. And he's got Pat Cummins for company. He's one not out uh, from three balls and yeah, they'll return yeah. tomorrow having had so a session it, worth 122 runs. Could be over in five minutes tomorrow, the innings, yep. or, or yeah, it could be 30 or 40 minutes, who knows, depending how they go early. Time for the final word, Hall of Fame. Final Word Hall of Fame is brought to you by Westfield London and Westfield Stratford City as it has been throughout mm -hmm. the series so far and we're ever so grateful for their steadfast support. Um, we're talking this week about, well, here's the thing. If the women's ashes has ignited a fire in you mm -hmm. and your kids for sports and drawn results, how's this? Like it, like it has for, for Winifred <laughs> who, who, who said to you while watching Kate Cross, I want to hit a big one. And I just got a photo, I just got a video um, from home where she's singing, he's big, he's bad, he's better than his dad. Um, she's been watching I, on the telly at home, that clearly. That song needs to go to Mitchell Marsh. He is much bigger than his dad. <laughs> he's badder and he's better, well, surely, than Jeff Marsh. I, no comment. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to say that he's a better test cricketer than, than, uh, than his old man. Nevertheless, um, if women's cricket has ignited um, that fire in you, um, well, the Nike FC Rebel Girls football activation at Westfield London is on the 21st and the 22nd of July, so a couple of days' time. It's the 19th now. That's at this free event, girls can take part in fun football drills, games and challenges and be inspired to one day become a Lioness or a Matilda. How good's that? So that's at Westfield London, so the one that's yep. over in Shepherd's Bush, on the 21st and the 22nd with Nike FC and the Rebel Girls Football Activation. Mm -hmm. So get involved in that. If the Women's Ashes has inspired your daughter uh, or someone close to you to, to get involved in more sport, well, Westfield are helping enable that. Westfield London, Westfield Stratford City, more, more extra, extra, less ordinary. Less ordinary. All right, uh, Hall of Fame. Let's see. Uh, well, there was a lot of stuff that happened today. I've got to go with, um, well, there's a couple, but, but Ben Stokes with his um, shin incident. Down the leg side from Wood, little pull from Labuschagne, just gets maybe the sticker of the bat, maybe a bit of glove on it. It flies at leg slip. Stokes tries to get it, smashes him right in the shin. Yeah. Which is, and I was trying to figure out why is it funny? Like, it's always funny to, to whoever's watching on if 
player gets hit in the box or hit in the shin. If you get hit almost anywhere else, get hit in the elbow or something, That's then usually in. usually mm. we're sympathetic. We're like, yep. oh, that would hurt. Hit in the shin, you're like, ha, 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 right in the shin. And I think the, the, the bit that was funny particularly oh. was that it took his leg out from under him, so he sort of loses his right leg and almost falls on his face after getting hit. And even Stokes comes up with a big smile on his face. He's like, ow, oh, that really hurts. And also <laughs> it's funny. Why is it funny? Why is the shin funny? I've got a few things. Well, first of all, Stuart Broad, 600 Ted Wickets, the second seamer to do it. Nice that he was doing it from the James Anderson end, who's the only other seamer mm -hmm. with that many test wickets. When Anderson played his 166 test match, he had 632 wickets. So there's always yep. been a thing about Broad being behind Anderson, but not by that far, and Anderson didn't take a wicket today. Um, I love Stuart Broad's work, though, mostly, um, when there was that long delay, which happened two balls before Warner was mm -hmm. dismissed. We missed out on that earlier. But a 10-minute delay when there was something shining from not above the sight screen but underneath the sight screen it was off the seats there were metal bars yeah. between the seats and they were glinting at a level that was going right at Labuschagne's eyes and Mark Wood was bowling from that end and fair enough that they had to stop to fix it not the first time we've seen weird things stop play here well, like remember in Stuart Broad with the shiny bit on the sight screen in, I, in 2013 I, I, I do and I remember here well in 1995 the Windies England they had to go off for sun it was too bright to continue playing when the, the pitch was turned around the other way anyway um, on this occasion Stuart Broad went down to the crowd and tried to construct a solution of his own he tried to get the patrons to all move up three rows to sit in front of it and he said to them and don't worry if we get David Warner out you can all move back to where you were sitting <laughs> thought that's classic broad knows the cameras are on knows exactly what he's doing um, also uh, he went to he went past Ian Botham today for wickets against Australia 149 he, of them he's the all time wicket taker against Australia which would really boil the piss of some people <laughs> at certain tabloid <laughs> newspapers in Australia for instance um, the fact that Stuart Broad is the most successful bowler against Australia ever uh, that, that little fact that I mentioned off the top a Samson one mm -hmm. so Smith 41, Labuschagne 51, Head 48, Marsh 51. So three, four, five, six, mm -hmm. all falling between 41 and 51. That's never happened in Test cricket. Wow. So thank you, Andrew Sampson, for that. And how I'd... about Steve Smith doing a bit of DIY in his shirt? Yeah. Um, Daniel Bredig and Andrew Wu picked up on this. It looks like um, <laughs> Smith's been cutting his own shirt sleeves. Um, do what <laughs> okay. you want. Okay. You do you. You're Steve Smith, you do what you want. <laughs> what he did today um, is he went past Alan Border for runs scored by a visiting player in England. Oh, so so, Donald Bradman is the only player with more runs in England, the only overseas player to come to England and make more test runs than Steve Smith. Very good. Um, he's only about 500 behind the Don, mind you, so he, he won't, probably won't be back again, but if he did come back again, he might catch him. I think that's it. Uh, our show is brought to you by Westfield London, Westfield Stratford City. It is the Final Word Daily. If you like what we do, join Patreon, as so many people have done through the summer, and we love them for it. That gets you half-price tickets to our live show. On the 26th of July with Stephen Finn, still tickets on sale in Soho Not at many. the Phoenix. There are some, though, so if you want to get one, get one very soon. All the information for that is in our show notes, and you can watch Stephen Finn go through his paces with us the night before the Oval Test match. Stumps day one, done here, Australia, 8 to 2.99. See ya. George Benson, I ain't protected by the right fenced in my future questions, my current senses That'll be the same we've been doing for centuries Sorry if I ran out to empty wrote this so you know what I meant here I had to go